The technology likely to have the greatest impact on the next few decades has arrived. You can start building completely new concepts for payments that we've never thought of. Move the need for a financial intermediary to transact value. Bitcoin and the blockchain have an amazing future. This is going to transform society. Hi guys, I'm here with BitBoy Crypto, arguably the crypto YouTuber who posts the most content. I think we're going to have a great conversation today. So BitBoy, firstly, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate thank your you. time. I think your name is an appropriate place to start. So for me, a regular viewer of yours, BitBoy is not only the name of your brand, but it's more of a character. So why don't you tell me a bit more about this? Yeah, so it's just very interesting how everything got to where it is right now. Um, so back in January, I had really, you know, gotten very deep into altcoins and I, and I was looking for a way to, you know, get involved in the space. And so my friend and I, who was also really into crypto at the time, we started talking about different ways that we could be involved. And so we settled on an idea for an animated cartoon series called BitBoy and Hodel. So Hodel is like, is like the little turtle sidekick to BitBoy. BitBoy is a superhero and, uh, you know, he fights FUD, he fights hackers, he fights scams. And unfortunately, it just costs so much to animate. I learned how to animate myself and did a couple episodes. And it's really, really difficult. So eventually, uh, after about two months of having the channel, I decided to start doing news videos. I got on a couple podcasts and I had uh, done a couple news videos. And then people started referring to me as BitBoy. And so it's kind of been where, like, now I have this character and yet I'm also BitBoy at the same time. So I guess BitBoy is kind of like my alter ego, um, I guess you could say. And I, I do still have plans down the road to do the animated cartoon series. Animators, a good animator is very expensive. It's about $1,000 a minute. So you can you can assume you know how much that would cost to do like a whole season of the show. But uh, one kind of exciting thing that I, I do have going on is uh, I'm involved with something called Crypto Cake TV, which is a 24-7 crypto... Uh, TV channel that's hopefully going to be debuting in February. I was out in Los Angeles this last week shooting a pilot for my own show. And I'm kind of hoping that maybe if the channel takes off, that through that, I will be able to uh, maybe get them to find the animator and put a BitBoy and Hodel show um, on the channel. So uh, still haven't given up on it, but you know, it's, it's a lot of work doing the cartoon series and um, it's a little easier making news videos and coin reviews and stuff like that. What platform is that going to be available on? And are you able to talk about that now or is that disclosed for the minute? Yeah, I can I can talk about it. I, the, the one thing that I can't talk about at this point is the name of my show. That's pretty much the only thing I can't say. If, if I give the name of the show away, then it kind of gives away the whole concept. And the people who I'm working with want to wait until uh, World CryptoCon to, to talk about that. But it's really an exciting thing that's going on. So I'm a believer in that nothing happens without a reason. And there aren't a lot of like real true coincidences. And then, you know, when I decided to basically leave my full-time job and go full-time crypto, um, you know, I didn't really know what I was stepping into and I didn't really know what the future was going to hold. And so looking back after working with Crypto Cake TV, when I left my job, which had been August 8th, that was actually the same exact day that Crypto Cake TV filed their trademark for the channel. So it's kind of like, I don't think that was a coincidence. I think things were kind of laid out for me and I just didn't see them yet at the time. And CryptoCake TV 
is owned by or ran by Web Holdings, W-E-B-B. That's not a cryptocurrency. It's a publicly traded company. And they've got a lot of uh, funding for this project uh, secured. They have. It, it's actually funded, you know, I think your audience will like this. It's actually funded by early Bitcoin investors that want adoption. It's not necessarily about someone wanting to capitalize on cryptocurrency. We have these old, these old Bitcoin investors that basically want to put money into seeing the mainstream get into crypto. Because of course, if more people get into crypto, then the better their early Bitcoin investments will be down the road. But they're willing to kind of put their money where their mouth is and actually do something to cause the, the adoption in the mainstream stuff. And uh, I'm really excited about it. I think that it's going to do very well. If everything goes well um, and we get the go ahead, then it'll start in February. And it's going to it's going to debut on Sling TV. And then they've got partnerships with like Amazon Fire Stick to get it on there as well. And down the road, the goal is, of course, eventually to get it on um, get it onto regular cable or direct TV or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, also a couple of the shows, including possibly mine, um, maybe syndicated to Netflix. So it's it, it came out of nowhere. It's a really incredible opportunity, and we'll see where it goes from there. But I, I'm really liking the prospects of what's happening. And me and my family are you know kind of ready to move from Atlanta to LA if everything goes according to plan. So you know it, it could be the opportunity of a lifetime for me. I, I'm really excited about it, and um, can't wait to see where it goes. Well, firstly, congratulations. It's that's incredible. But I just want to take a step back, actually, to how you got into cryptocurrency. I find it fascinating that you got into crypto through creating cartoons. And I think, I think that really emphasizes the point. And I really want to stress this point for the newcomers in the space. But crypto is such an accessible industry to get involved in, whether you want to start tweeting or creating your own blog posts or even like you did, creating your cartoons. I think it's such an accessible industry for newcomers who want to do more. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. So uh, before I get into, you know, talking about how I got into crypto, which is a little bit of a, a longer history story, um, you know, I also have a podcast myself. It's called Beards and Bitcoins. And the last podcast we did uh, centered around this very topic about how easy it is to get into crypto and that everyone can make a contribution, whether it's making a cartoon or being an influencer, or wanting to be a developer or wanting to work maybe as like a marketing person. It's hard for me to imagine anyone who has a skill set that it can't be applicable to blockchain and crypto. So I, I think it's really important. And, and I will also say this. I feel like that this next run that we're going to go on, I don't know when it'll be. I mean, I think towards the end of the year, we'll start going up. I think next year is going to be really good. But I think once we hit another parabolic bull run, I think really the opportunity to get into crypto is going to almost be gone. And so uh, that's why I really stress to people, if you want in on this space, do it now, like right now. I've got people who I've talked to that are like, yeah, uh, once my investments go up, I'm going to like make videos and get into, you know, maybe doing a YouTube channel or whatever it might be. And I'm like, no, that's a terrible idea. It's, the space is going to be so oversaturated after the next bull run. It's going to be absolutely insane. So I think that's really important if you are interested to go ahead and figure out what you want to do now. Now, as far as how I got into crypto, I got into crypto influencing and YouTube through the cartoon. But my story about how I got into crypto goes back way much further. Um, and it ties into why I'm so passionate about crypto now is I actually bought my first Bitcoin 
in 2012. So I go way back in the space. My problem was, you know, I sold very early on and, uh, you know, I, I could be a billionaire. I was buying it at $13. I had about $10,000 in, I had purchased about $10,000 worth of Bitcoin as a long and the short of it at $13. And uh, I had some money left over in my account and, and I went back later and looked at my account and all of a sudden what I had in there that was like change was worth like $3,000. And I was like, holy crap, what is this? And so I sold out my $3,000 that started out probably as um, definitely less than $150. And, you know, it was, it was a big mistake that I made to sell out, but I wasn't really, I wasn't sure about what the technology was. I didn't understand the movement of Bitcoin. I was more just into it because I had to be. And now looking back and understanding the potentially billion dollar mistake that I made, or even more possibly based on how much I could have bought at the time, if I knew what I was buying, you know, that's what drives me in the space today. So that's what really drove me to want to get interested and to want to, um, you know, not just not just invest, but get involved in the space. And so, you know, like I look back on that mistake and, and understanding like where I could be in my life financially if I had not sold out early. But you know what? $3,000 was a nice come up out of like basically nothing. I think to myself like, yes, I could be doing much better financially, but I really love what I'm doing right now. And I guarantee you, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to have my own TV show, you know, just if I was rich from Bitcoin. So I, I like where I've ended up. I like the fact that it's pushed me to be an influencer and do what I call as edutainment, which is entertaining, educate, uh, entertaining education. So edutainment. And so that's basically how, you know, how I got involved in everything and really looking forward to seeing where cryptocurrency can, can go as a revolution. Like I believe that it is. I love how you've taken the optimistic route there and how you said, oh, well, I got $3,000 and it was amazing. Whereas a lot of other people would have thought, ah, I could have sold Bitcoin at 20,000. But the fact that you managed to multiply just 100 or $150 or whatever it was into $3,000 is incredible. But BitBoy, you cover or you explore a huge range of coins throughout all of your videos. So what are some of the most interesting projects that you've come across in terms of vision and mission? I think they're really the one that stands out to me. And I've said for a long time, even though it's it's not always been my biggest bag and it's not the one that from an investment standpoint, I think is the greatest, but is basic attention token. I love basic attention token. You know, I, when it was announced, they were exploring, putting it on Coinbase. Like I've been saying that for a long time. There was actually a tweet that Brian Armstrong had uh, in March of last year saying that basic attention token was, was a great candidate for Coinbase even then. So um, I do believe it will eventually be on Coinbase, which will make it, you know, give it a little more upside. But one of the things I'm really passionate about in crypto is the area of advertising. Because of my ticket business, I've done a lot of advertising and I've tried Google AdWords several times. I guess now they call it uh, Google Ads. They don't call it AdWords anymore, but I've been really screwed by Google a lot in my life. I've definitely lost tens of thousands of dollars doing Google ads for different businesses. I can't ever make it work because my my ticket business is very niched. And a lot of the people that are in that niche have millions and millions of dollars. You look at StubHub or Ticket Network or Vivid Seats, like those are the people who I'm competing against. And they have million dollar budgets, multi-million dollar budgets with Google ads. So the system is set up to make the small guy fail. And, you know, evidence of that is unless you have a million dollar budget with them or above, 
you don't even get your own dedicated account rep with Google Ads, or at least when I was doing it a few years ago, that was the case. Another thing I've seen is with Google AdWords and Facebook ads both, and not Twitter so much because the, the Twitter ads program isn't that great anyways, but Facebook and Google, they're constantly squeezing the people that are advertising through their platform. So if they know you're making a 50% profit margin, then they're going to increase their rates. And they want to get you down to where you're making a 1% to 2% profit margin. And guess who's making all of the money? They are. <laughs> they have the platform that's making all of the money. And the people who are actually using those platforms to advertise are getting the shaft. And honestly, that really irritates me. It makes me angry. That's why we see companies such as Google that used to be seen kind of as a, you know, a, a warrior for free thought back when it first started. It was like a good thing turning into a greedy corporation that basically wants to, to screw all the people that they're working with. And so basic attention token is one that is trying to disrupt the traditional way of online advertising, where basically if you download the Bray browser, you are able to opt into their ads program and you don't have to watch ads if you don't want to. But if you do look at ads, you're actually getting rewarded for that. That's why it's called basic attention token because you're being rewarded for your attention. And on the flip side, for people like me that are content creators, our fans and our people that watch our content can actually tip us their allocated amount of basic attention tokens they get through the platform as well. So it's really a win-win. It's an industry that I really want to see disrupted. There are certainly some other ones that are you know, doing similar things for content creators. Um, one that I, an ICO that I've been working with a little bit, it's called U2Coin. They're trying to do something similar kind of in a micro niche, just specifically for YouTube, not really all over the web like basic attention token is. But that's definitely one that is super, super, super interesting to me. And I can't really, I, I can't wait to see the potential of where that one is going to go. And I, I do think it's a good investment also, but I, I just like the industry they're trying to disrupt and their message behind what they're doing. Okay. So I view you as very much a person who's involved with the community and the cryptocurrency community, mm -hmm. whether, whether that be Reddit or YouTube or whatever. So therefore, I want to ask you, how has the crypto market changed since the December bull run? So have projects changed their strategy? Are there new trends? And what is altered about the general ecosystem that we have here in crypto? Well, <laughs> that's a good question. For, first of all, there's like nobody left. <laughs> so um, if you look at the numbers from how many subscribers people were getting during the bull run for YouTube or how many followers on Twitter or how much engagement people were getting across multiple platforms, it's way down. And it's really taken all the people who are the weak hands and removed them pretty much. And not just the people who have weak hands, but there are people who have investments they can't really get out of. So their investments are still there in crypto, but their interest has completely gone. Um, I've seen that even with you know some people that are pretty close to me who are good friends who kind of got into crypto around the same time that I did, or into altcoins you know, around last year. And they just don't care anymore. They don't care about the markets. All their, you know, their basic idea is wake me up when the bull run comes. So there's some disadvantages of that, which is there's not as many people to engage with. But really the huge advantage from that and the thing that really I think is ultimately going to help the space is it's made those of us who are still here so much closer. And we all know each other, basically. I mean, all of your big YouTubers, 
all of your big Twitter people, you know, we all are kind of friends or we are friends. I mean, almost all of my in real life friends now are crypto friends. And um, it has been a great opportunity to get to know people. And that really is going it, to, it's made a stronger baseline for the interest in crypto. So the next time we have a bear market, we will add more people that will stay in the space no matter what. You've built this base of people that no matter what happens in crypto, we're going to be here. Like if Bitcoin were to, and I don't think this could ever happen, but if Bitcoin were to go all the way down to $300, right, I would still be here. And I know plenty of people that would still be here. So that that's a, a huge change on the social side. Now, as far as trends in crypto, one very interesting conversation I had with an ICO recently was, and it helped me to understand the new strategy of ICOs because the word ICO has become basically a, a curse word in crypto. When people hear ICO, it's hard for them to hear that word and not hear scam at the same time, which is really disappointing. And there's a lot of good, a lot of good reasons why that is the case. There are a lot of, you know, obvious scams out there, but it is kind of disappointing because there are some good ICOs out there. There are some good people that have good, you know, that, that are trying to make their ICO kind of like a grassroots movement and build it from the ground up. And I really respect those people for trying to do that during a bear market. However, when it comes to the actual investing into the ICOs, I mean, no one is doing it anymore. <laughs> There's only one ICO that I'm actually invested in that I invested my own money into, which is Monarch, which that is, if you know, Crypto Beatles, that is his project. He's the president there. Um, he's a good friend of mine. And I, I'm a really big fan of Monarch, the wallet and what they're doing with the ICO. It's basically a wallet where you keep your, you know, your crypto is actually stored on the blockchain. So it, even though it's on an app, it's still kind of in cold storage. It's kind of a complicated concept, but his ICO is actually going very well. Most of the ICOs are crashing and burning right now. So with the ICO that I recently talked to, what I've seen is a fundamental shift in how they're raising the money. So what they're doing is they're contacting influencers and getting influencers to get the message of the project out into the space via their marketing budget, but they're not actually expecting people watching those videos or people listening to those podcasts or reading those uh, tweets on Twitter to be investing in the project. They know people don't have any money right now. So what they're doing is they're really using influencers to get the message out. But in terms of the actual investing, what they're doing is they're actually going to private investors. They're having little events where people with a lot of money come to and they basically do their ICO pitch to those people instead of necessarily your common retail investor that's just on Twitter or you know something like that. So it's just been very interesting to see that fundamental shift. And I do think though, however, a lot of people believe that in the next bull run, we won't see the exact same thing that we saw during the last bull run, which is ICOs going to the moon or people investing in ICOs or projects without knowing what they are or whatever. But I, I don't believe that. I believe that we'll see the exact same thing we saw last time. The only difference is, is the, those of us that have been in the space a little bit longer will be more prone to kind of sell at the top or call out something that's a scam and you'll have new people that have no idea, you know, that, that they won't know the difference between Bitcoin and BitConnect. So the, there's definitely been a lot of changes I've seen, even in, you know, I made this joke the other day. I said, you know, one <laughs> one day in the in the bear market is the same as a thousand days in the bull, bull market. So um, that is the way it feels uh, where everything's definitely slowed down right now, but it's been a good chance for us to all kind of look at ourselves and look at the space and, and see what we're offering and, and what we can do to make it better. Okay. So whilst we're on the topic of crypto trends in 2018, how influential do you think that the Bitcoin ETF is compared to how big the market perceives it? And also 
why don't you just provide a quick definition or a quick explanation of what a Bitcoin ETF is? Right. So um, the Bitcoin ETF, it stands for Exchange Traded Funds. And basically what it is, is it's just a way for institutional investors to be able to kind of diversify their holdings and to be able to get into Bitcoin in not quite as risky of a way. And so a lot of people believe that that's going to be absolutely huge, that we're going to see a lot of institutional money come in um, and things like that. And, and I do believe it's true. So I do have kind of some some unique thoughts on this because I feel like it shouldn't be unique. I feel like this is kind of almost common sense. But there's been this movement in the crypto influencing space, I guess you could say, to where everyone says, we don't need an ETF. Like, we don't need an ETF. And, you know, that's fine. Like, Obviously, Bitcoin went to $20,000 last year, and we did not have an ETF. So I understand that thought. However, we've gotten to this point where it can't be ignored. We can't say like, oh, yeah, that's right, ETF, let's forget about it and move on, and it'll never come through. The application is in. The SEC is literally deciding as we speak over the next few months on whether or not to allow this Bitcoin ETF. So this idea of like, oh, we don't need it, let's move on, that's impossible. It's this giant elephant in the room at this point. If the elephant had never came into the room, then we could continue having that conversation. But, you know, I personally do believe, I'm one of these people that says we don't need it. I would prefer if crypto could move without it. However, we're going to get it, so let's look at the positives of it. So the positives of it is it's going to bring in institutional investors that wouldn't have invested otherwise, that wouldn't have, you know, maybe got in before. And I think that one thing we see with crypto all the time is it's a catalyst-driven market. When the bull market and the price is going up, catalysts propel it further up. When we're in a bear market and we get bad news, those catalysts propel the price down. And so I believe that we are going to see Bitcoin around $10,000 around the beginning of the year. I, I don't think we're going to twenty-five dollars or $40,000 by the end of the year like a lot of permables do. But I do think in November, end of October, the middle of November, I think we will start seeing increases and the price will start moving upwards. I, I think we will be around nine dollars or $10,000 by the beginning of the year. And I think that really sets us up. So when we do get an ETF approval in February, that that would really be the catalyst to send the market upwards. I think it's almost a done deal that the ETF will be approved. It's just a matter of waiting the amount of time because three three out of the five SEC commissioners, there was just a fifth, appoint, a fifth commissioner that was replaced. He's a Trump appointee and he's very bullish on crypto. So now we have Hester Pierce, the new chairman and one other of the members of the SEC commission that are bullish. So we have three out of five that are fans of crypto. And so I, I do think we will see it definitely approved in February. And I think it's going to be a great thing for the market. However, I, I would like to point this out also, which is this is a very interesting kind of dichotomy we have about the ETF um, and institutional money, which is in my mind, a lot of the institutional money that's coming in, is kind of signing its death, you know, its death warrant because, you know, Basically, it's investing institutional money into the idea of decentralization and into the idea of peer-to-peer. -peer. So ultimately, I think that we will see a lot of these institutions go away and they're kind of investing in the avenue that will eventually lead to their demise. So I think that's a really interesting thing 
to think about. Uh, I've said this before. I, I think that what we will see in the future in 10 years is that the institutional money needed the retail investors a lot more than the retail investors need the institutional money. So your most viewed video on your YouTube channel is about Pundi X. And that's mm. almost poetic because our last guest on the podcast show was Shil Nye. And I know that he's also very bullish about this project. So why don't you just give us an insight of what that project is and what they're trying to do? Yeah, so Pundi X or Pundi X, people pronounce it differently. It It is a way for people to spend their crypto. So you can kind of think of it as... Um, Square, if you guys have ever been at a retailer and they took, they had the Square app, they had one of the Square swipe devices, or now they have the ones where you can insert your chip. That's basically what Pundi X is trying to do is create these things called XPOS devices, which is basically the X just is like their branding of things. And then POS, of course, is point of sale. They're trying to create these point of sale devices where people are able to accept crypto. They've got several different ones they're working with. One specifically is NEM. Also, of course, the NPXS token, which is the Pundi X token, will be accepted. And they're trying to work with several other ones. And I, I think I really love the idea of any project that's trying to encourage taking crypto mainstream and mass adoption. I think that this is one that's definitely trying to do that. Um, one of their specific specific goals is they want to make it where they're located in um, in Indonesia, in Jakarta, and they want to make it where in Jakarta specifically, no one has to travel more than five miles to be able to spend crypto. And then from there, they want to make that true about other cities. Now, it is a Southeastern Asian project, but of course, they do have goals of being all around the world. They have um, ATMs, basically these, I forgot what those are called, but um, they have devices that are Pundix ATMs where people can withdraw crypto and deposit crypto and stuff like that. So it's really trying to do a, a wide range of things all centered around adoption. But I would say that the one thing that concerns me about Pundix, um, which really is the same thing that concerns me about any of the projects that are trying to make it where people can accept crypto or retailers can accept crypto is that you know, you have a company like Square, and if Square decided today that they wanted to crush Pundix or they wanted to crush Crypto.com or any of the other projects that are trying to make retailers accept crypto, they probably could do it. So once some of these bigger companies get this idea that, okay, there's no turning back with crypto and we need to go all in, then they're going to be huge competitors that are, may be able to dwarf some of these projects. So I think it's really good for Pundix that they are already shipping out so many of the, those XPOS devices, and I think they're doing beta tests with it right now because they're going to really have to make a, a push in the short term to get this project going and to get a lot of money behind it to kind of withstand any kind of pressure that those bigger companies could, um, could put on it. I couldn't agree more with you about that point, about the financial monopolies coming in and just completely destroying these new crypto companies who are trying to enable crypto payments. I regularly go on the request network uh, subreddit page and occasionally there's someone who does pop up and they mention or they share their concerns about a PayPal or a similar company coming in and then just offering cryptocurrencies and completely killing off the project. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. we just, oh, sorry. That's true. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I was going to say, yeah, I think that's true. Request network is definitely another one that, you know, I'm familiar with. I take it on my website, bitboycrypto.com where I have some merch and different stuff like that. Um, and, and that, that's what I'm saying. Like we see that with all of these different, you know, projects that are trying to 
facilitate payments is that they, they got to really get on the ball and make a big move. It's good for request network though, that they at least have, they have a WordPress plugin. It's a little complicated to set up with WooCommerce and things like that. But I mean, any website designer that's worked with uh, e-commerce will be able to do it, but it's really important for these to really be pushing forward right now. Like I said, to be able to withstand the pressure from those larger companies. Okay, well, BitBoy, thank you so much for coming on today, and thank you for sharing your knowledge. It's um, it's been a fascinating conversation. I've I've learned so much. Thank you. I appreciate you. You know, asking me to come on. I'm like you said. You know, basically in the space, we're all friendly. If you ever want me to be on a show, if you're a listener, or you know, you ever want to talk to me, I'm always accessible. And you know, most people in the space are. So, uh, thanks for having me on. If other people want to find you, like you just said, where can they find you? So my YouTube channel is BitBoy Crypto. You can just search BitBoy Crypto on YouTube and pull me up. And then um, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at BitBoy underscore HODL. Okay, perfect. And of course, my website, BitBoyCrypto.com. Okay, brilliant. Well, BitBoy, once again, thank you so much for coming on. Hi, guys. Sorry, I'm not sure why, but the audio actually died at the end here and I wasn't able to recover it. Thankfully, it was just at the end, so we didn't really have much else to say. We just want to wish you an amazing day, and we will catch you next time.